Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox podcast, a conversation about life and what's trending through the lens of faith and creativity. I'm Dave Berg. And I'm Chris Roberts. We've been super busy with some great stuff, podcasts, our live events, and some summer road trips. Chris, you've just been to something called Wild Goose in North Carolina. What's going on with that? Tell us about Wild Goose. Yeah, so I had had the opportunity to to spend the weekend at uh, Wild Goose Festival. Uh, They they held in uh, Hot Springs, North Carolina. Uh, It's a festival centered around art, music, and social justice. So I had lots of uh, conversations around things like race and privilege, doubt as a part of faith, um, art is a form of protest and heard uh, some really great ideas around how we can reimagine the economy in our neighborhoods to uh, mm-hmm. build stronger community, uh, which I found to be really fascinating and, and inspiring stuff. Some pretty incredible speakers, some minds uh, that are gathered in a campground, really. And yeah, you're just camping absolutely. with people like uh, I heard Gunger was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Science Mike uh, was there. Uh, our friend Mark Scandrett and, and so many others. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing crew of people there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So we've also been working on future episodes of our podcasts. We've been doing one on issues of food insecurity. We've been learning a ton. We've been interviewing people, and it's been just very insightful. We've also been doing another uh, podcast and getting ready for one on, on the importance of resting, the importance of downtime. We've been interviewing uh, all different kinds of guests and getting ready for for some really exciting things. Yeah. um, Also, uh, for those of you who maybe don't know, in addition to our podcasts, we do this quarterly live event. So we uh, we bring in a speaker, we stream it online, we have various ways for you to join the conversation and ask questions. Um, And so our next one of these is going to be on September 27th uh, with Science Mike McHarg. He'll be talking a little bit about science, doubt, and how we can be members of the same community together, uh, even if we have doubts or don't believe exactly the same things. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing uh, Science Mike in September, but then also uh, you've been busy working on a whole new slate of speakers for the next year, and, and so we'll be releasing those names here pretty shortly, but yep. some some pretty exciting uh, people to, to have coming through here. Yeah, looking forward to it. One of the things that we want to do as a part of the, the Sandbox podcast is talk about what's trending and, and news events that are, that are taking place in our day. And the thing about breaking news is that it's tough. It's tough if, if you've got a 24-hour news station like CNN or MSNBC or one of the other ones, it's, it's tough for them. Think about us. I mean, we're only publishing something every, what, two weeks or so? So we have huge, massive limitations as far as how we're able to get at the news. And just a chief example of this happened in our last podcast. Even as we were recording our episode on the shootings at, at Charleston, the Supreme Court decision on marriage happened. This massive historic decision by the Supreme Court. And unfortunately, because of the timing of our recording, we weren't able to respond in our last episode and, and talk some of that about that. Yet in the aftermath of that ruling, some tribes of Christians have begun to organize to overturn it, to codify who's in and, and who's out. I want to be clear, that is not what we are about. Our Christian tribe is organized around love and being more and more open and inclusive as a community. 
for us. Welcome, love, marriage, God is for everyone, regardless of color, background, or orientation. And so we'll look to do an episode and dive deeper into this conversation before too long. But for now, our topic of the day. So the title of this episode is Made. Not the old MTV show from the day. Remember that one, Chris? <laughs> that was a great show. That was one of the finer <laughs> few. And, and so the, the premise of that episode of that show was you could have said, I, Chris Roberts, want to be a rockette at Radio City Music Hall. And then, boom, they would hook you up with a coach. And before long, Chris Roberts is high-kicking on a stage in New York, and this thing is on. I can see it. Yeah, I, I don't want to see it. <laughs> Matter of fact, that's an image that I, you can't unsee. <laughs> but then what, what you were saying, you know, maybe I can go visit you on your, at your crib. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then afterwards, once, once I become famous, I'll, I'll show you around my crib. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> and then we'll go on ridiculousness and we'll come full circle and it'll be amazing. But again, made, not talking about the show. What we're talking about is asking what were you made to do? What's your purpose? What were you made to do? Maybe it's your job. It's the thing you get paid for. Maybe it's being a mom or a dad. Maybe it's volunteering at a local agency or organization. It's something that you'll never see a paycheck for. Sometimes in churchy and religious circles, you'll hear this referred to as vocation or call. Actually, the word call comes from the Latin word vocation. Uh, we also get the word voice or vocal from that. What we want to talk about today is this deep-seated driving force in your life where you can say, yes, yes, that is what I was made for. Yeah. So as we're getting started and just kind of jumping into this idea, I, there's kind of two things that initially come to mind for me just as we're, as we're beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is that I just am amazed at how unique it is and maybe even just a what a privilege it is to be able to say, I'm going to do this because I want to do this or I'm made to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the question of, of what am I made for is, is actually really weird. And I think in some cultures or at least for some people, maybe, maybe even unheard of. in some Yeah. Cultures. Um, and you know, I think there's, there's certain things that, that we have, you know, certain basic needs even that just allow us to even be able to ask this question, yeah. uh, which is just, just a, a fascinating thing for me. Um, also, and, and I think you mentioned it briefly, but um, what you're called to do might not be what you're paid to do. Um, I think it's possible that maybe your calling is a specific re- in a specific relational role. So maybe as a as a parent or as a a friend or as a brother or sister. Um, could also be that maybe your particular set of gifts is is desperately needed, um, but others don't recognize it in a way that they want to put a value of it financially on it in a way that pays the bills. Uh, so like lots of my, you know, freelance artist friends would probably know something about this. They, they know something about that. Yeah, I'm they a feeling a you know that. something about that too, Chris. <laughs> uh, maybe a little, um, <laughs> but yeah, but um, so for some people, you know, especially in a setting like that, uh, finding out what you're made to do uh, might mean that you have to shift your thinking a little bit to figure out how you get to that. Right. 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 And so like what we can do, and what we're made for are different. And, and I think we've, at different times in life, that becomes more clear to us. And it makes me think of some of the odd jobs that I've had over the years that maybe, yeah. maybe I was heading down one path. I thought, eh, maybe not so much that. But then there are those just amazing odd jobs that we've had over the years. And, and then it, it's abundantly clear that that is not what we were made to do. <laughs> so what about you? Have you had, had any of those funky jobs? 
Uh, yeah, the one that the one that comes to mind is I. So uh, during high school and col- and the first couple of years of college, during the summer, um, I would go back and I would work with with my dad, who works for a company that fixes and sells cash register systems. So mm-hmm. the entire point of sale system, everything from the register to you know the computer screens back in by the by the kitchen to tell you what the orders are coming in to the you know drive through tower that you talk into that's a little creepy because there's not a person at it. Um, so he the, sets up all those McDonald's yeah. type places. Yep, and they yep. and so they also service them. So what would happen is that you'd um, you know, companies would say, Hey, this monitor isn't working. So we're going to send it back in. And so my job was to get that monitor, which now keep in mind has been sitting in this fast food kitchen for weeks. Uh, um, at the, at the minimum is maybe the first time <laughs> that they would go out. And, uh, odds are that it had probably been there for a couple of years. So think about all of the grease that's accumulated over those couple of years onto this monitor screen. My job was to take it out of the box. Yes. Uh, with gloves, because I wasn't a dummy, uh, <laughs> take it apart, um, and then like hand scrub all of the various pieces of these computer components. You're you were that guy. I, I was that guy. Somebody's got to do it, and it was me. Did you were you on that show Dirty Jobs? Because <laughs> it could that that's a job that very well could have been it on that show. Should have been featured. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so what about you, Dave? What uh, what about what? What crazy job <laughs> did you have? Speaking of dirty jobs, I, I was a dump watcher. A dump watcher? A, yes. What, what is a dump watcher? Oh, I want exactly. to be clear what kind of dump I'm talking about. Uh, a dump watcher. I sat in a pickup truck, in the cab of a pickup truck, for about four or five hours at a, at a pop and just watched the city dump. And I had to watch the cars that came in and out of there to make sure – that they all had the city sticker so that they could throw their trash out. I saw some crazy stuff getting thrown away. I, bet. I one of the weirdest things I ever saw was a limo. A limo drives into the dump towing a trailer of stuff that it was going to throw out. So That's crazy. That's the last vehicle I'd expect to see in the middle of the dump. And you know, and there it was in the days before everybody had a phone on them. Uh, otherwise, I would have loved to have had that picture. There's something uh, stunning about that image. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was a, I was definitely a dump watcher. <laughs> so, so you know, those are those are kind of our job, our our odd jobs, and I think that you know most people have some experience with that. Some of them they just worked to you know having a little bit extra money maybe for school or just to have a little bit extra cash in your pocket, have something extra to spend. Um, but I think for most of us, it's pretty easy to know that, that that's not the thing that we're called called to do. So yeah, yeah. what do you have to say about that? Well, you know, I, I, I just want to be clear. I, I was really good at watching the dump. I, that, that was, <laughs> I was really quite, quite gifted at that. But I remember at one point sitting in the cab of this pickup truck just for hours on end. And, and, and at one point, I was watching somebody throw away their trash. And I was thinking, hmm. Maybe not this, not for me. Um, and it reminds me of this this quote that I've uh, I've heard from Shane Hips. Now Shane is this author and speaker, just a, a great mind, and, and and he once wrote this. He said, "The difference between what we can do and what we were made for is desire. If you want to know what you were made for, then you have to answer the question: What do you want?" This is the most overlooked and important question we must answer in order to live with direction and clarity. Shane continues, A friend of mine was talking about purpose once and used a helpful image. He said you can use a flute to stir soup. 
and it'll work fine. But that's not what the flute was made for. If we are doing something we are good at, but don't enjoy it, we may be a flute in the soup. We may be effective, even contributing, but underutilized and unhappy. When we use a flute for its intended purpose, something beautiful is unleashed. To live the life we want, we have to know what we want. If we don't, many others will gladly choose it for us. The one voice is always whispering our deepest desires. The challenge, our challenge, is to hear it. Yeah, and I, th- I think like he's like he's saying, you know, I think it's a lot harder to figure out what we're made to do mm-hmm. versus what we're not made not to do. You know, I think it's pretty easy to tell that. Um, one of the biggest steps is finding out who you are. So paying attention to what you enjoy, uh, what your desires are, like, like Shane says, uh, what gifts do you have? What's your personality? Um, what makes life meaningful? I think those things help you figure out a little bit of your identity. And I think in knowing what you're supposed to be doing and, and the person that you're supposed to be, you know, kind of being able to be aware of that identity is, is pretty helpful. But then there's also this challenge of, um, like how do we take all of our time and energy and effort and move those more uh, toward what we want to be about? Um, there's the Seth Godin quote that I really like. Uh, he says, instead of wondering when your next vacation is, maybe you should set up a life you don't need to escape from. Uh, what, what I think he's getting at there is this idea of you more or less have the ability to create the life around you that's meaningful and, and taps into your gifts. Mm-hmm. Um so there's another story that, that I think gets at this a little bit differently that, that I found really helpful too. Um, so one day there's this fisherman. He's lying on the beach, enjoying the weather. He's got his, uh, his fishing pole stuck in the sand and the line is cast out into the, into the water and he's just waiting to catch a fish. That sounds like a pretty good vacation to me. I'm in. Sounds like a great vacation. I'm in. So, so about this time, a businessman comes walking down the beach. He's trying to get rid of some of the stress from his work day. And he notices the fisherman sitting there and decides to go up to him and say, you know, like, why aren't you working hard and, and making a life for yourself and your family? He says, you aren't going to catch many fish that way. You should be working rather than lying on the beach. And so the fisherman looks up and says, and what will my reward be? Well, you can get bigger nets and you can catch more fish. And the fisherman asks, so then what will my reward be? And the businessman says, you'll make money. You'll be able to buy a boat and catch more fish. And then what will my reward be? So the businessman is starting to get a little irritated, and he says, you can buy a bigger boat and hire some some people to work for you, he says. And then what will my reward be? He just kind of keeps asking this question. And so the businessman gets, starts getting angry. He says, don't you understand? You can build up a fleet of fishing boats, sail all over the world, and let your employees catch the fish for you. So again, the fisherman asks, and then what will my reward be? So the businessman is just angry, and he shouts at the fisherman, don't you understand that you can become so rich that you will never have to work for your living again? You can spend all the rest of your days sitting on this beach. You won't have a care in the world. So the fisherman looks up and says... What do you think I'm doing right now? Nice. Um, so I, I, I love that story and I, I share it because I think so much of our difficulty in discovering what we're made to do um, is because of the expected rules of the world around us. Um, and I guess I would just say, what would it be like if we became the people we were supposed to be and did the things that we were, we were made for? It can be abundantly clear what we're not supposed to do. But when you have that sense of clarity about what you are meant to do, 
it's one of the most beautiful things. And when I see people who have that sense of clarity, it, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. It's yeah, phenomenal. absolutely. And, and the other thing is that, as you said, you know, lots of people have ideas about what we should be doing, right? Lots of people have notions about what I should be up to, but that's their, that's their opinion. And honestly, it's not their call. Others can support you and they can give you feedback and they can love you and they can lift you up. But ultimately, only you can decide what works best, what is right, what your call is, what you were made for. You'll know it if it's right and you'll know it if it's wrong. So a few years back, I was struggling uh, with my career. You see, I decided to be a pastor years ago. I went to college and I discovered that young adults, my friends, people my age, were pretty indifferent to church, Jesus, Bible, God-type things and, and conversations. I kept hearing people talk about how they didn't believe in God. And you know what? For the most part, I was, I, I was pretty okay with that because the God that they described was often mean, short-tempered, bigoted, and small. And I was pretty sure I didn't believe in that God either. I started to see more and more churches as clubhouses for like-minded people who seemed, seemed to be afraid of, of the hard questions and, and diving deep into being part of the things that, that Jesus was talking about in the first place. My call, my, my purpose, was, was the driving need to be a translator of the good stuff of our faith tradition. Chris, I, I felt like there was a whole lot of good stuff, life-changing, world-altering stuff that I was getting completely missed. I wanted people like my friends and my peers to know about these things. And I guess I was arrogant enough to think that I could actually do it. So over the course of about nine years of being a pastor, I felt like I had done the best I could. I was growing increasingly frustrated that I, I wasn't able to be the kind of leader or translator or pastor that I was meant to be. Taking risks, you know, being creative, going more and more to the margins. Don't get me wrong. I, I, was, part of, I was part of good faith communities with very, very good people. Yet for a variety of reasons, I, I couldn't do the thing that I was really made to do. And the God's honest truth of the matter, as I looked at it, you know, I wasn't particularly gifted at working at the Home Depot or, or selling shoes or, or being a cook in a restaurant. But honestly, it seemed to make about as much sense to do any of those things as being a pastor at that point. I wasn't cut out to do what I was hired to do. Which I think is is one of those points where um, you're aware of the risk and the fear of not being able to take that next step. I think that's that, that point of paying attention enough to know, and it's that's the hard point of transition. You're at the precipice for sure, and, and you're peering over the edge, and, and you just... Yeah, you, you don't you don't know what your next step's going to bring. Yeah, for sure. And so that you know that's kind of where I was. You know, in, in in some ways it's kind of a flute soup moment. I was I was a flute stirring soup, and I was getting the job done right. But it wasn't what it, it's not mm -hmm. what the flute's made for, right? So it was about five years ago, I, and I spent a day hanging out with my dad. Uh, he's my mentor, my coach, my friend. 
And he had seen it just about just about all in 35 years of being a pastor. He'd been a pastor for 35 years, but due to the effects of a battle with cancer, which he like his cancer was in remission, but he had retired to full-time disability. So we hung out all day in his fully-fledged, newly renovated man cave. And it was a man cave. I mean, this place, every seat reclined, giant TV, fully-fledged, just decked out kitchen. I mean, this place was amazing. He even had a hot tub. Wow. Indoor hot tub in the man cave. It was awesome. And so I'm sitting with my dad uh, this day and I told him about an opportunity to be a pastor at a new place in a different kind of a way. This would require some sacrifice. It would mean disappointing a bunch of people that I cared deeply about. It would take a whole lot of intestinal fortitude and frisk. But the reward, the reward is that I would be in a situation that would empower me to connect with with young adults, to try to be church differently, to ask big questions, to dive deep, and to completely and to be completely challenged in new ways. I was pretty sure I needed to go with this new opportunity. I needed to either do that or just quit being a pastor altogether and find find a new career. He looked at me as I told him about all of these things. And and he said this, and this is a direct quote. He said, you know, Dave, life's too short not to do what you're called to do. Life's too short. So I went home after the weekend and I was thinking about that conversation and trying to figure out what that next step was as I kind of stood at that, that precipice. And it was about a week later, my dad died unexpectedly at the age of 65. Life, it's too short. It's too short. We only get so much time on this planet to move the needle, to pursue our passions, to go deeper into the joy of being who we were made to be. So what are we screwing around wasting our time with? The postscript to the story is that I applied and I got the new job. I disappointed some people. Again, people that I cared deeply for. Some relationships suffered. There was pain. You know, it wasn't easy. And four years later, I'm happy to say I continue to do that job. They have not fired me yet. (laughs) (laughs) This job has challenged me. It's pushed me to my limits at times. It has helped me to dive deeper into what I was made to do. One way of knowing that you are in the right spot, how do those who know you best respond to you? After about one week on the job, my wife looked at me and she said, you're back. The people we love, who know us best, know when we are in that sweet spot and they know when we're not. She said, Dave, you're back. So what do you want? What are you made for? What are you called to do? What is your resistance? What or who are your obstacles? What is your next step? I ask all of this because I'm I'm pretty sure life's too short. 
Life's too short not to do that thing that you are made to do. Thanks again for listening to uh, today's podcast. Feel free to let us know what you think in the comments on our website or uh, via Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I'm Chris Roberts. And I'm Dave Berg. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.